Hi everyone, my name is Sharissa Tarosian and it's my privilege to bring to you the Sabbath School commentary for lesson number five, Jesus the Giver of Rest. Let's open with prayer. Our loving Father in heaven, we just invite the Holy Spirit to be with us now as we embark upon a study of your word. We pray that you help us to see a fresh picture of Jesus, help us to better understand him and the rest that he offers to us personally. I pray a blessing on each of our listeners. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'm really excited about the subject for our lesson study together today because we are talking about Jesus, the giver of rest. And it's very beautiful because as you go through the book of Hebrews so far, we're up to we've done chapters one and two pretty thoroughly. And in those chapters, we saw that Jesus is the son of God. He is the ruler of the universe. He's the liberator, the redeemer of God's people. He's the creator and the sustainer of life. But then when we also saw in chapter two, there was a contrast. Not only is he above the angels, but he also stepped down and became one of us. He came below the angels and he identifies himself as our older brother, if you will, who has left for us an example. He's our high priest, but he has been touched with the feeling of our infirmities because he took humanity upon himself. And so it's a very amazing study now when we come to Hebrews chapters three and four, we see that the main focus of Paul's sermon now is rest. And it's not just any kind of rest. The rest that God offers to you is a rest that the world cannot give. Some people are enjoying this rest today. Many people are not. But the rest that God offers is amazing. And I wanna unpack it with you because it's the same rest that Adam and Eve, they enjoyed after God had finished creating this world. And by God's grace, one day too, we will also experience the fullness of this rest when we enter into that beautiful city whose foundations and builder and maker is God. A city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. So we want to answer really five questions in this commentary. First of all, what is the rest that God offered to Israel? Because Paul talks about it. Why didn't they enter into that offered rest? And then we want to think about the rest that God is offering to us. When do we enter God's rest? Which is God's rest? And when will we enjoy this rest? So the first question, which was the rest? What is the rest that was offered to Israel? We need to see what Deuteronomy chapter 12 verse 10 says. There Moses said to the people, when you cross over the Jordan and dwell in the land, which the Lord your God is giving you to inherit, and he gives you rest from all your enemies round about so that you dwell in safety. In fact, there are a number of passages in scripture where we see that this is God's main desire was to bring us into rest, to bring his people into a place of rest. In fact, this was also the desire when God led his people finally into Canaan that Joshua 1.13 also expresses as well. And so I just want us to consider this for a moment. God was offering to Israel two types of rest. As we read the Bible, we see this very clearly. The first was a physical place to rest. And the second kind of rest was a moment in time to rest. This is very beautiful and very different. Abraham was promised that his descendants, they would live in Canaan. 
we read about this promise that God made to him in Genesis 15. God promised him that his descendants would live in Canaan and there the place of Canaan where they would rest would be from the river of Egypt to the river Euphrates. He said that Canaan would become a second Eden of sorts where God and Israel could enjoy rest and company together. But in order for them to experience that rest, in order for them to fully experience this rest in this place which God described, they were going to need to do some things. And uh, if I just read to you Genesis 15 verse 16, I want you to notice one of those things. Here the Bible says, But in the fourth generation they shall return here, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. And if I look now also at Deuteronomy chapter 12 verses 2 and 3 here in my notes, here the Bible says, You shall utterly destroy all the places where the nations which you shall dispossess served their gods on the high mountains and on the hills and under every green tree. And you shall destroy their altars, break their sacred pillars and burn their wooden images with fire. You shall cut down the carved images of their gods and destroy their names from that place. So what were they to do? They were to fully remove idolatry from the land in order for them to experience rest in the place that God was bringing them to. That's one rest. Then on the other side, God was also giving them a time to rest. And that time God gave them was the Sabbath. It was a special moment to remember two things. And the lesson highlights this beautifully and invites us to reflect upon the Ten Commandments. Exodus 28 to 11. As we are called to remember the Sabbath day, to keep it holy. Why? For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. So the Sabbath is a reminder, a memorial pointing us back to creation, something that's already happened. And not only that, but there's a different twist on the meaning of the Sabbath that we find in Deuteronomy chapter 5. And I just want to note, want to read to you from verse 12. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Verse 13, six days you shall labor and do all your work. Verse 14, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your ox, nor your donkey, nor any of your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. And here is the clincher, verse 15. And remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there by a mighty hand and by an outstretched. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So... The Sabbath is to be a reminder, a special moment in time for Israel to experience rest, for God's Israel to experience rest, both by reminding them of creation, what God has done, and redemption, also how God had delivered them from slavery. And thus, they were able to enjoy the divine rest that God was giving. But here's the second question that we want to answer in our commentary today. Why didn't Israel enter into that rest? The answer to that is summarized for us powerfully and poignantly in one line, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 19. Simply says, single sentence, So we see that they could not enter in because of, one word, unbelief. The generation who left Egypt saw wonderful works from God like no other generation. They saw God split the Red Sea. They saw the, the, the plagues, the 10 plagues that fell in Egypt. They had been fed 
from God by bread that fell from heaven, manna. They had been watered from a rock. God had done some amazing things for this people. However, when God brought them to the borders of the promised land, and we read the sad story in Numbers chapter 13 and 14, they came to the borders of the promised land. They could see the promised land. God said they could have the promised land. But then they wanted to send the 12 spies in to investigate it. And when the spies came back, 10 of them said, it looks nice in there. We might be able to visit there, but are you crazy? We cannot live there because there are giants all over the place. And of course I'm paraphrasing. And so the majority said, we cannot live there. It was a Jurassic Park, not a promised land. And there were only two people, two people in, that, in the spies in that group who said, actually, let's keep going. Let's go forward into the land that God is giving to us. And those names, the names of those two spies that were saying, let's move forward, was, of course, Caleb and Joshua. They believed that God would fulfill his promise at the gates of Canaan. It wasn't that they didn't see the giants. They saw the same giants, the same high walls that scared all the other spies, but they had their eyes fixed on the promise of God and on the God who had made the promise. Sadly, the unbelief of the other 10 spies was quickly spread. And actually, unbelief is quite contagious. It spread throughout the community. Everybody wept and they ended up thinking, you know what, let's get rid of Moses and Aaron. Let's go back to Egypt, back to bondage. Bondage was better than what they were looking at. And uh, yeah, let's just quit this whole conquest of this is a really important reminder for us because we do not want to do what they did. We do not want to discourage anyone on their journey to the promised land. And so since faith and the lack of it is contagious and we need to think about ways, how can we build faith in our brothers and sisters in Christ? How can we make sure that we never say or do anything that would weaken someone else's faith? We should make it a point and say, Lord, help me never to voice my doubt, but always to speak of my faith and hope and love for you. We should pray for people and tell them that we're praying for them. We can text someone. We can listen to them. We can send them a Bible promise. We can let them know how we appreciate them because in so doing, we can encourage one another as we are on our way to the heavenly Canaan. I want to read to you one Bible verse here on that point. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 12. The Bible says, Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. Paul is so committed in the book of Hebrews to encouraging the Hebrews to hold on to Jesus, not to let go, to keep looking to him. I have a beautiful quote here from Ellen White. She says, in the devotional that I may know him for this is the reading for June 12 she says the land to which we are traveling is in every sense far more attractive than was the land of Canaan to the children of Israel what stayed their progress just inside of the goodly land it was their own willful unbelief that turned them back they were unwilling to risk anything upon the promises of God we are standing, as it were, upon the very borders of the heavenly Canaan. If we have faith in the promises of God, we shall show that we are not living for this world, but are making it our first business to prepare for that holy land. And I just want to say, Amen. Now let's move on to considering what is the rest that God is offering to us today. And when do we enter 
this rest. I invite you to just reflect with me upon Hebrews chapter 4 verse 7. Here the Bible says again, he designates a certain day saying in David today, after such a long time as it has been said today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. You know what? Today is the day that you and I can experience God's rest. Isn't that exciting? The rest that God promised to Israel and the rest that he has promised to all of humankind. It was not fully given when Canaan was conquered. And I know that for sure because Hebrews chapter 4 verse 8 says, For if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not afterward have spoken of another day. So they didn't fully enter that rest. And not even when Israel controlled all the promised land in the time of David and Solomon, did they have full rest because the people of God was still struggling with idolatry. This rest is intimate communion with God. What is this rest? This is the rest that God wants to give to us. And this communion with God, guess what? It has been at our disposal for everyone ever since the creation of the world. Hebrews chapter 4 verses 3 and 4 summarizes it beautifully. It says, For we who have believed do not enter that rest as he has said, So I swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. So listen to this. Rest, the rest that God is offering, is an intimate communion with God. It's been at our disposal. We've been able to access this rest ever since God made this world. And today, God wants to give to you and I his rest. Some people have already entered into that rest and others are about to do. But the today that Paul highlights and he says this word over and over again between Hebrews chapter 3 and chapter 4. Today, he says, we are called to acknowledge that God has been faithful to us and that we have enough reasons to accept his invitation. And so that is a very wonderful thought. We can come to him today. God has been faithful to us and he has given us so many reasons for us to accept his invitation to come to him that we should be able to do so without delay. Today is the time of decision for us. Today is the time of opportunity and it's also a little bit of a dangerous time in the sense that if we do not listen and if we do not respond today, that conviction may die in our hearts. And so we, when God brings that conviction to come to him, to bring our lives to him, to surrender to him today, that's the time that God wants us to do it. There's no better time to come to Jesus and to surrender your life to him then it goes on in verse 10 Hebrews 4 verse 10 for he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his we are encouraged to enter God's rest not our own and that's a wonderful thing because there are two moments in the Bible when God rested we see them in the Bible we see first of all of course in creation the Sabbath God rested not because he was tired but because he had finished creating the world and he also rested after the construction of the temple. We read this in 2 Chronicles chapter 6, verse 41. In the first case, we see that God rested because he finishes his work. And in the second, we see him resting again because his promises have been fulfilled. The first, however, 
was broken by sin and the second is still incomplete God longs to give us his full and perfect rest as Adam and Eve were given that first Sabbath and he will give it to us when he comes and establishes his eternal kingdom on the new earth in the new earth and also when we come into his home in the new Jerusalem and the question I guess we need to ask ourselves is do we want to enter into his rest it is available to us and it's achieved, it's been achieved for us through Christ, but it is also rejectable. We do not have to go into his rest. It's a choice and God invites us to enter into his rest. How do we enter that rest now? Just some practical things. I have to read to you. There's a beautiful quote here from Ellen White. And if I just find it in my notes, if you just bear with me, but she says something really wonderful. She says that a life, here it is. A life in Christ is a life of restfulness. There may be no ecstasy of feeling, but there should be an abiding, peaceful trust. Your hope is not in yourself, it is in Christ. Your weakness is united to his strength, your ignorance to his wisdom, your frailty to his enduring might. And that's a little quote from a book called A New Life, page 40. And so we can enter into God's rest today when we rest from trying to save ourselves we rest we don't have to please anyone but christ we rest in his love for us we rest from people pleasing from politics from fashion from all selfish ambition in this world we rest we just stop and rest and remind ourselves of all that god has done and in so doing by the way the sabbath takes on fresh and exciting meaning the sabbath is not only a, a reminder that god has sent his son to die for us it's not only a reminder that god our creator made this world and when we rest we're reminded that we did nothing to create he did it all and we cannot save ourselves but he does it all we cannot achieve salvation through our own works but the sabbath points us forward to that ultimate rest when we accept christ there is an ultimate rest when we will future rest that's complete and free from the presence of sin there'll be no more death no more sorrow no more crying and so it is to enter into that future rest that hebrews chapter 4 verse 11 points us to it says let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience and he's saying let's not fall into the the same ditch that the children of Israel fell into when they were on the way to the promised land let us as we head to a heavenly Canaan keep our eyes on Christ and not talk unbelief but hold on to him and believe we, when we accept the salvation Jesus offers this is a summary we find rest for our souls that's Matthew eleven twenty nine, and this is how we can enter into his perfect rest as I close this one quote from steps to Christ a life in Christ is a life of restfulness. Your hope is not in yourself, it is in Christ. Your weakness is united to his strength, your ignorance to his wisdom, your frailty to his enduring might. And now I read on because I read that bit before, but here's the next part. Let the mind dwell upon his love, upon the beauty, the perfection of his character, Christ in his self-denial, Christ in his humiliation, Christ in his purity and holiness, Christ in his matchless love. This is a subject for the soul's contemplation. It is by loving him, copying him, depending wholly upon him, 
that you are to be transformed into his likeness. Let's close in prayer. Our wonderful Father in heaven, thank you for the rest that we find in Christ. And thank you, Lord, for the promise of that future rest when we will be able to be free from sin and suffering, free from death, free from pandemics, and be forever in your presence and find rest for our souls. Thank you, Lord, that we can find rest today in Christ. Thank you for the Sabbath with all of the meaning that you have invested in it. Thank you for the reminder that you made us, you have redeemed us, and you are coming soon to take us to be with you in your home. We love you, Lord, and we pray not only that we would enter into your rest, today is the time for us to experience and embrace it, but also, Lord, that we would invite others to look to Jesus so that they too can experience this wondrous rest that only Christ can give. Bless us, we pray, and help us to keep studying your word that we may draw nearer to Jesus is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.